This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello and welcome to the pilot show. The topic of the show today is Chat GPT. What does it mean for assessment? I don't have a guest today, so if you'd like to call in and join me to talk about your experience of ChatGPT or anything else, then please do. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to The Twilight Show, everyone. I'm Graham Stanley speaking to you live from Mexico City. On today's show, I'll be talking about ChatGPT and assessment. So ChatGPT is the chatbot that everyone is talking about from OpenAI, and it has triggered concerns in all areas of education. The tool enables, for example, students to create impressive essays on any subject in a matter of seconds, which is why it has uh, been declared an area of concern. Is this the end of assessment as we know it? Or is it the beginning of a new knowledge and information age? What does it mean for teaching and learning? Will teachers be forced to reevaluate methods of assessment? What alternative methods of assessment can teachers adopt in the light of this new tool? Today, I'll be looking at that and more, at the capabilities of ChatGPT, and I'm looking to discuss why it's problematic when it comes to standardized writing assessment and traditional homework. I'll also be examining how it might be used if the technology is embraced by teachers. And later on, I'll look at what people have suggested could be used as an alternative methods of assessing students, including oral presentations, group projects, personalized self-reflection, peer assessment, and hands-on performance-based assessment. As far as ChatGPT is concerned, what gains and what losses are implied with this new software? For teachers, ChatGPT can be used as a time-saving aid to create gap-fill exercises, course outlines, lesson plans, and much, much more. For learners, there's the possibility of generating answers to questions, to homework questions, for example, on any subjects, any subject in se- seconds of providing study notes, etc. And already some educational establishments have banned the tool and other software that has appeared, has appeared that analyzes texts to report on the likelihood of, uh, of whether those texts have uh, were written by a machine. But with the technology improving so rapidly, week by week, day by day even, how effective are they? How effective will these ever be? The emergence of machine learning tools such as ChatGPT also point to a future workplace where the use of this type of artificial intelligence will be expected as routine as using a calculator perhaps or spreadsheet to increase productivity. What happens then remains to be seen and lies in the medium to long-term future. But in the short term, 
teachers will have to adopt uh, to adapt to the software and adopt new ways of working. If we accept this needs to be done, then AI offers teachers, schools and educational systems an opportunity for change and a chance to review and amend the ways in which our learners are assessed to enable more varied and potentially more inclusive and effective ways of testing and supporting students. What do you think? If you're free and listening live, come in and join me and we can have a chat. Uh, if you're listening back to the recording, well, thanks for joining me as well. And we will be proceeding to talk more about this after the Teachers Talk Radio News. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go, well-being and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and well-being tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Telegraph reported this week on calls from some academics for schools to ban smartphones. The article refers to devices as extremely dangerous over fears that they damage cognitive ability. The research by academics in Australia suggests that phones can be hazardous to children as they have a negative effect on learning, social skills and mental health. Dr Mark Williams, an honorary professor of cognitive neuroscience at Macquarie University in Sydney, is quoted as saying that having a phone in a pocket or bag decreases working memory capacity and that this means children don't learn as well. He goes on to say that there are zero benefits to smartphones in schools. Dr Williams went on to add that other research studies have shown that smartphones also link to causes of depression, anxiety and body dysmorphia. In Spain, phones have been banned from schools in some regions since 2015. University of Valencia academics found that pupils' test scores in some core subjects improved. In the USA, researchers at an Ohio hospital found that screen time led to lower brain functioning and a study in Malaysia published in 2020 found that the presence of a smartphone decreased the ability of undergraduates to accurately recall information. The current Department for Education and Advice in England is that head teachers are best placed to make decisions about phones and their use in school. The value of learning a foreign language is often discussed in schools, but in Germany, there have been calls for primary schools to scrap English lessons. 
the president of the German Teachers Association, has said that schools should focus on German reading and maths instead. His remarks come as German students scored lower than their peers in other countries in the International Primary School Reading Survey. Heinz-Peter Meidinger told German broadcasters that focusing on English was a wrong priority and that more attention should be paid to reading skills, writing skills and arithmetic. The BBC reports that MPs have launched an inquiry into Ofsted school inspections, looking at how useful they are to parents, governors and schools in England. Education Select Committee Chairman Robin Walker said Ofsted had an important role but that there had been a groundswell of criticism in recent months. Ofsted itself has said it welcomed the inquiry, but that it had already made changes. MPs will consider how inspections affect the workload and well-being of school staff and pupils, and what contribution its reports make to helping schools improve. The issues likely to be discussed are the current system of awarding one overall grade to a school, and whether it is right to deem a school inadequate if inspectors raise concerns about child welfare. Parents, school governors, teachers and unions will be able to submit evidence alongside the government and Ofsted itself. Ofsted have already made changes, particularly to the complaints process, but the NAHT's Paul Whiteman said the changes didn't go far enough. Finally, in the West Midlands, the BBC reports that a 91-year-old former teacher is helping children develop their literacy skills from a living room. Diane Idols has five pupils she reads with over an online platform aimed at helping children progress with reading. She said the volunteering work had filled a huge hole in her life after the death of her husband. Mrs Idols volunteers through the Bookmark Reading Charity, which matches trained volunteers with primary children struggling with reading. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to answer the question we all want to know. What is the best presentation software? I do promise to give you an answer this week after leaving you on a cliffhanger, but... First, a quick recap for those who missed last week or fast-forwarded me. Considering most lessons delivered in a classroom contain some sort of presentation, it's possible that our students are facing up to a thousand presentations a year. This isn't a bad thing as we are presenting information and that's what the software is designed to do. However, like a display you spend ages on, how long does it take before it stops being noticed? Do we really know what experience a pupil gets through a typical week in school? Are they being engaged or do they know how to look like they are listening? Don't worry, there is no way I'm going to mention slants here if you're thinking that is where I was going next. The answer is there is no best presentation software. As I've already mentioned, there are lots of free and paid for presentation apps out there. The key to success is which one do you choose? This is where a lot of people go wrong. They ask someone else's opinion. What works for one may not work for another. The choice you make depend on two key words, purpose and audience. When you choose the method of presentation for a lesson, you need to be thinking about the best way to grab focus. In the end, our job is to encourage long-term remembering. So if the lesson is about remembering short text-based facts and you have powerful images that back up what you're saying, a looping PowerPoint presentation or equivalent may do the job. Do you want to embed a lot of web links and videos? Why not take a look at Wakelet, a free way to collect web links together and share them. 
you can present with it and then hand the link off for self-discovery. Most app developers today aim to make their apps intuitive. So changing things around shouldn't be too hard for you to get to grips with. And you may just find engagement rises. And in the end, that's what it's all about. What do you do to engage pupils? Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back. Now, to kick things off, I have asked ChatGPT to write a poem all about Teachers Talk Radio. Here it is. In the vast realms of cyberspace, where knowledge takes its flight, there blooms a radio show, a beacon shining bright, a haven for educators, a platform to share. Teachers Talk Radio resonates with care. Tom Rogers, the guiding light, a teacher through and through. With passion in his heart, he kindles flames anew. His wisdom flows like rivers, nurturing minds so keen. Empowering educators with every word, unseen. Graham Stanley The Saturday Twilight Show's host, with topics untamed. A variety of discussions, his guests forever acclaimed. He weaves a web of information, engaging hearts and souls. Inviting inspiration in, to help each teacher's goals. Together, they embark on journeys, traversing boundless plains. Exploring lands of pedagogy, where innovation reigns. They champion every teacher, from humble start to grand. For they believe in the power held within each guiding hand. Teachers talk radio echoes with camaraderie. Uniting hearts across the waves, from sea to shining sea. A chorus of voices, diverse and strong. Teaching hearts united, as one melodious song. They delve into the challenges, the triumphs and the tears. Sharing stories of resilience, erasing doubts and fears. With empathy as their compass, they navigate the storm. Uplifting weary souls, bringing hope and transforming norms. The airwaves come alive with laughter, insight and debate. As teachers tune their hearts, finding solace in this space. A community of learners, a family strong and true. Teachers talk radio, the virtual home they always knew. So let us raise our voices, in tribute to this show. Where teachers find their refuge, where growth and dreams can grow. In this digital soundscape, where passion takes its stand. Teachers Talk Radio ignites the spark held within each teacher's hand. So there you go. Thank you, ChatGPT, and thank you, Mia, the resident AI voice of the Twilight Show. And we'll be hearing more from them both later in the show. Now, I'm not quite sure about the value, the poetic value of that, but it's certainly something that you can create very, very quickly. And this is one of the benefits of using this type of software uh, as far as getting access to uh, quick resources that you can use and also saving you time uh, as a teacher, which we are always thankful for. Now, let me say first that I'm looking at this technology from the point of view of a teacher, of an educator who's interested in technology, especially emerging technology for language learning and teaching. But I'll also be uh, speaking about assessment and ChatGPT in general. 
I want to understand it, I think, to be able to help other teachers to understand it and perhaps to give out some ideas that are of practical use today. But let's start with the actual tool in case there's anyone out there who might not know exactly what it is or if you may have heard it, heard about it, but you haven't used it. What is ChatGPT and why should teachers be interested in it? So here's, an, here's a definition from an article written in the Journal of Applied Learning and Teaching, Volume 6, Number 1, by Rudolf and J. Rudolph and S. Tan, and not surprisingly, uh, written earlier this year. So ChatGPT is the world's most advanced chatbot thus far. Unlike chatbots, it can create impressive prose within seconds, and it has created much hype and doomsday predictions when it comes to student assessment in higher education and a host of other matters. They go on to say the following. ChatGPT is a state-of-the-art language model, a variant of OpenAI's generative pre-trained transformer, GPT language model, designed to generate text that can be indistinguishable from text written by humans. It can engage in conversations with users in a seemingly natural and intuitive way. So that's what a couple of academics think. But I thought, what about ChatGPT itself? This type of tool is unique. I think, as in, you can ask it what it thinks of itself. I did, and this is what ChatGPT said. ChatGPT is an advanced language model developed by OpenAI. GPT stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer, and it incorporates various improvements and advancements in natural language processing. As a language model, ChatGPT is designed to generate human-like responses to text inputs. It has been trained on a wide range of internet text data to understand and generate coherent and contextually relevant responses. ChatGPT can be used for a variety of purposes, such as answering questions, providing explanations, engaging in conversations, offering creative writing prompts, and more. The model is trained using a self-supervised learning approach, where it learns from a large corpus of text and tries to predict the next word or phrase in a given context. This training process allows the model to acquire knowledge about grammar, facts, reasoning abilities, and some degree of common sense understanding. It's important to note that while ChatGPT can generate impressive and contextually appropriate responses, it is still an artificial intelligence and may occasionally produce incorrect or nonsensical answers. It's always recommended to verify the information provided by the model from reliable sources. Thank you, ChatGPT and Mia. And hinted at in that short text was uh, what ChatGPT isn't. And let's look at that in a little bit more detail. Now, if you want to search for it, there's a great chart by HFS Research that examines the user reaction and how confidence in ChatGPT changes depending on the amount of knowledge and experience of the tool someone has. Now, according to the chart, when users first hear about ChatGPT before they have any experience of it, confidence is often at an all-time high, 
This is the wow moment, if you like, with users thinking that ChatGPT can answer anything and everything. And the reaction is often, ChatGPT is able to answer all my questions. It quickly generates very elaborate answers that are credible and coherent. Finally, a chatbot that behaves like a superhuman. And I think this wow moment is one that we've all experienced, or all of us who have tried out ChatGPT, as in we have our kind of minds blown as to what the potential is for this tool. However, after using it for a little while, you start to notice that there are incorrect answers. It can produce something uh, that has been called uh, hallucinations. And what HFS research have labeled the wait a minute stage, where the user understands what a large language model, LLM, is. Ultimately, it's a statistical tool that can create language without really understanding um, and understanding it. So it's not really artificial intelligence, but we are now stuck with uh, it being described as such, I think. And it can produce statistically plausible answers. It's not a tool that will necessarily deliver facts for you. So you have to be very careful if you're teaching a subject and want to use it, for example. In fact, quite the opposite. As I said before, ChatGPT often hallucinates. This means it can provide made up, completely false answers that unfortunately look plausible. The next stage HFS has labeled the DAM stage. And that's when the user becomes more aware that the tool generates incorrect answers and will often snitch, stitch snippets of information together. And confidence in the tool at this stage is at rock bottom. Now, people usually move on from this to the got it moment when people realize that the tool is great when there isn't a precise answer, but it can't be trusted when the answer must be perfect uh, to be reliably useful. And the final stage, according to HFSS, HFS, sorry, is the realization that uh, what the tool can and can't do. You understand its limitations, reaching this stage, realizing that it can help you, but you have to be cautious in how you use it. This is an understanding that the real value of ChatGPT is that it can give you productivity a boost and save you time and be a useful assistant. But it's very important to be critical and recognize that it can and often does get things completely wrong. So to go back to the Rudolf and Tan article, they say ChatGPT may not respond correctly to certain words or phrases it has not seen before. ChatGPT can only provide information it has been trained on and doesn't have any real-time access to new information. That part is important because I think there's a cutoff limit at the moment, um, which I think is 2021. I could be wrong. It may not understand or respond appropriately to questions that include emotions. It may be unable to create unique or original content. This is all very interesting, I think. As far as the hallucinating is concerned, um, Rudolf and Tan also say, misinformation and alternative facts creation. The response generated may look plausible, but make no sense. 
and the quality of response varies and may contain inaccurate information. So I think that's clear. Uh, we heard from lots of different sources, I think, that this is the case. So far, so good. Now, I hope everyone understands what GPT is and what it isn't. Let's move on to its use in education, um, and particular use in education by teachers. And here's a question. Why should teachers be worried about ChatGPT. In a recently published book called The AI Classroom, The Ultimate Guide to Artificial Intelligence in Education by Daniel Fitzpatrick, Amanda Fox and Brad Weinstein, it, the following is claimed. Artificial intelligence, AI, poses the greatest challenge and opportunity for education that we have ever seen. Now, that's quite a statement, isn't it? I don't know whether you agree with that, but we're certainly seeing a lot of people predicting that things are never going to be the same again after this. These types of tools are going to overturn and revolutionize how we approach education. And they say the main concerns are students using ChatGPT to plagiarize in their work and cheat on assignments and homework, which is what we're looking at really today uh, mainly. So then there are risks that the students are not going to engage at a deep level with learning if they use these tools and they will thus fail to develop their knowledge and skills. That's what plagiarism is all about, really just stealing something and using it without really thinking about it or processing it or understanding it fully. So plagiarism, is that a concern? Is it a real concern with this tool? The uh, book I mentioned before, the AI Classroom, goes on to say this. Text created using a text-generating AI are less easily identifiable as plagiarism than those copied and pasted from websites or text because the AI-generated texts are not always identical. And they say also, strictly speaking, this is not plagiarism but rather the use of an application to create a text. So it's not plagiarism then. I don't think it is, is it? What do you think? It's a tricky one, isn't it? It doesn't mean that teachers can relax. Again, the AI uh, classroom book. Even if it is not plagiarism in the strict sense, not indicating that the text or parts of it were generated using AI is a deception about authorship. If the use of AI has been explicitly excluded in the assignment, it is also the use of an impermissible aid, an attempt to deceive. So this is where the real worry comes, is that it is something that uh, is not created by the students. However, as every teacher knows, students are going to copy and paste from the internet. And because of this, we have plagiarism detectors. So what about this tool? Are there tools that can determine whether someone something has been produced by artificial intelligence or by a human? Well, yes, there are a number of tools at the moment that teachers can use that will determine a probability of whether a text was produced by AI, including uh, the following GPT zero, AI text classifier, AI content detector, and others. You just have to search and you'll find them. But this is what 
again, the ultimate guide to AI has to say about these tools. It's currently unclear whether it will be possible to develop reliable software that can detect AI-generated text. So how useful are these tools at the moment, or how useful will they be in the future? And it's this, the future, that holds the biggest worry, I think. As they say, experts believe that such software would rather be used as a training opportunity for an AI system to improve. So in other words, the AI can learn from these tools to become better at producing more human-like texts. And so ultimately, even if these tools are valuable in the short term, they're not going to be much use much later or soon, if you like. Now, what about Rudolf and Tan, that article I mentioned before? What do they think? Generally, we advise against a policing approach, one that focuses on discovering academic misconduct, such as detecting the use of ChatGPT and other AI tools. So I would say this isn't something generally that most people um, recommend the use of trying to either ban ChatGPT, ignore it, or to try and detect whether it has been used by students isn't going to be very effective. So is this then the end of traditional assessment? Here's what the AI Classroom book has to say about this. Now, with the help of AI tools, assessment can be revolutionized in countless ways, from increasing the speed of assessing work to enhancing its precision and efficiency. And other implications include faster and more efficient assessment, consistent assessment to reduce bias and human error, and personalized assessment and feedback. And this is quite interesting. So you can use these tools as a teacher to change the way that you approach assessment. So you can actually use um, these tools, ChatGPT in particular, to actually create a test or a quiz for you. Um, you can use these tools to assess the answers of uh, something you set as an assessment. So you can actually use these uh, tools and, uh, and save yourself some time and some effort as a teacher. But what does it actually mean in practical terms if you want to actually do that? Well, what you would have to do is create what is called a prompt to be able to create quizzes and assessments, for example, to save you time. And this thing called a prompt is really just a written instruction that you input into ChatGPT in order to get the output you want. And prompt engineering is a term that has developed from this and is what the skill has now been called. The better the prompt, for example, the better the response you get from ChatGPT. So there are lots of people who are trying to play with prompts and make them quite detailed in order to get some very interesting detailed outputs from from it that you can use as well now for instance here's a few prompts from um, a book which is freely available 
on the internet called the Teacher's Prompt Guide to ChatGPT. Number one, generate a formative assessment activity for a beginner English language class on prepositions of place. Here's another one. Generate a quiz testing the knowledge of the use of the present perfect. These are examples for English language learning and teaching. And another one. Generate feedback on the following student's essay that focuses on how the student can improve their writing. And then you can copy and paste the essay. So you can give individual feedbacks on students' work automatically. Um, I think you probably get the idea now. So ChatGPT can be used by teachers to help with assessment. But there's a big question here. Should it? Should you use this? Should you take advantage of this to save you time? Should you use it? And is it is it a good tool to use? Is it all good? Well, no. As mentioned earlier, there are good reasons why you as a teacher should be wary and critical if you're going to be trying to use this tool to help you save time and as an assistant for assessment, for example. And as we did before, I'm going to ask ChatGPT itself what it thinks about this. So ChatGPT, why might ChatGPT be problematic when it comes to standardised writing assessment and traditional homework? Over to you, Mia. ChatGPT can present some challenges when it comes to standardised writing assessment and traditional homework for the following reasons. Lack of human judgment, ChatGPT is a language model trained on a vast amount of data, but it lacks human insight, intuition, and judgment. It may generate responses that are grammatically correct but contextually inappropriate or factually inaccurate. This can lead to misleading or incorrect assessments of student writing or homework. Over-reliance on templates, ChatGPT tends to generate responses based on patterns it has learned from training data. This can result in the model producing formulaic or template-like answers. When it comes to creative or critical thinking tasks, such as writing essays or solving complex problems, relying solely on ChatGPT for assessment may inhibit students' originality and hinder their ability to develop unique ideas. Limited understanding of student intent, ChatGPT may struggle to accurately interpret and understand the underlying intent or purpose of a student's writing. It may misinterpret sarcasm, humor, or subtle nuances, leading to inaccurate assessments. This limitation can be particularly problematic in assessing creative or persuasive writing, where capturing the author's voice and intention is crucial. Insufficient feedback and guidance, while ChatGPT can provide preliminary feedback on assignments, it may not offer detailed explanations or guidance on how to improve. The model's responses might lack the depth and specificity that human teachers can provide. Feedback that is too generic or inadequate may not effectively support students' growth and development. Inability to assess non-written aspects, ChatGPT primarily focuses on assessing written content. It may struggle to evaluate other important aspects of student performance, such as oral communication skills, critical thinking abilities, collaboration, or creativity. 
Traditional homework and standardized assessments often require assessing a broader range of skills and competences beyond writing alone. Potential for gaming the system, students might attempt to exploit the model's limitations by producing content specifically designed to receive favorable responses from ChatGPT. They could engage in gaming the system by intentionally using certain phrases or patterns they believe the model will deem as high quality, even if the actual content lacks depth or accuracy. While ChatGPT can be a useful tool for certain aspects of assessment, it should be utilized alongside human judgment and expertise. Teachers should carefully consider these limitations and ensure that the assessments they use are well-rounded, align with learning objectives, and provide students with meaningful feedback for their growth and improvement. So, thank you, Mia. And we have a, a real-life human, Chris Fry from Barcelona, in the uh, studio as well who has suggested the following. Cut out the middleman. Students should get the feedback directly from ChatGPT. You, the teacher, are the middleman or the middle person. Yes, I think you're right, uh, Chris. And in fact, it rings a bell with me because I saw an article this week about, um, about students switching to uh, AI to learn languages, which I thought was was fascinating, very interesting. Uh, this was on the BBC about a day ago, I think, and it was basically about how there are lots of students who have decided to actually use ChatGPT to practice languages now, um, which I think is is fascinating. I recommend you search for that email. Students switch to AI to learn languages. Uh, it's uh, really interesting. Now, back to assessment. And what about outsmarting ChatGPT? So we've already talked about how perhaps, although some tools appear that, um, that can help teachers to try and detect the use of AI, perhaps the best thing to do would be actually to try and set an assessment task that uh, doesn't or that couldn't or can't be done using uh, ChatGPT. And this idea of outsmarting ChatGPT um, is definitely in an article that was written earlier this year in Education Week by someone called A. Klein. And A. Klein has the following eight suggestions of what teachers can do to outsmart ChatGPT. Number one, you can ask students to write about something deeply personal. So something that is about their personal experience, that would be very difficult, if not impossible, for ChatGPT to actually be able to answer if it's rooted in a personal experience that a student has. Number two, make the writing assignment around an issue specific to a local community. So the local community where your school, university, etc., is. Um, again, that would be very difficult, perhaps, for ChatGPT to be able to answer accurately. Number three, direct students to write about a very recent news event. As I mentioned before, um, recent news um, isn't in the databank, isn't something that ChatGPT can respond to because their training of 
tax, etc., were um, was only up to a certain date, which was about a year or so ago. Have students show or explain their work? So after students have actually produced their assessment, assignment, task, for example, you could ask them to explain it or to, um, to do something else with it. And that way you would be able to see very quickly whether they understood what they'd handed in, for example. Another one, five, students give an oral presentation with the written work. So as well as the written work, they give an oral presentation um, and not reading it out. So in other words, they would have to have digested the information and know it. So even if they had used AI to produce the answer, they would have had to actually understand it enough to be able to present it. The next one, ask students to handwrite their essays in class. And I'll come to this in, in, in a little bit about whether or not that should be done, because there's some strong opinions about that. Number seven, put project-based learning to work. So um, it doesn't go into details, but the idea of actually um, doing something a bit more complicated than, than a, a piece of an assessment or a piece of work that can be produced automatically. So make it into a project that has different phases, etc. And the other thing they suggest is to run the assignment through ChatGPT beforehand to see what kind of uh, answer it produces. So you know the type of answer ChatGPT is going to produce if students do put it into ChatGPT itself. Because also there's a lot of repetition with this type of uh, tool. And you, the more you use it, the more you're able to kind of spot what you think are trends that uh, the tool can come up with. And again, Chris in the, in the studio chat is saying ChatGPT is limited to data up to 2021. Thank you, Chris. I knew it was it was around about that time. Now, um, but Chris does say that BARD and Bing AI have access to up to more, uh, more up-to-date data. And so uh, relying upon uh, that fact about ChatGPT may not work because there are other tools available that um, students could use that would actually have up-to-date information. So again, it's changing all the time. Now, hold on, let's look at number six again, asking students to handwrite their essays in class. How do you feel about that? Back to handwritten exams rather than using keyboards. Really, how, how, do, how do you feel about that? I mean, some of you may well be doing that already, but um, Rudolf and Tam, remember them? They had this to say about going back to handwritten exams. A simple solution to the problem of students using ChatGPT would be to use physical closed book exams where the students write by hand using only pen and paper. And for online exams, proctoring or surveillance software can be used. However, such an approach to assessment or an over-reliance on it has been increasingly criticised as no longer contemporary. With students cramming less than useful information into their heads, only to forget much of it shortly after their examinations. With a focus on graduate employability, and of course, they're talking very much about higher education here, the skill 
to use closed book exams seems rather irrelevant. And I think I largely agree with that. I think um, kind of divorce what we're asking students to do with assessments from the real world is not a very good way to approach things. So we've heard from a few people, um, academic articles, ChatGPT itself, a book, but what about the bloggers, the edu bloggers in the edusphere, as it's called still. Um, so let's look, uh, let's take a, a look at what other edu bloggers say about ChatGPT and other tools such as this to get a snapshot of the situation and what people think. So I did a search and have got a number of sources about assessment in particular and ChatGPT in particular as a tool uh, because that is the tool that has been out the longest, I think. And there is a blog called WonkHE uh, and the title of the blog post was ChatGPT Assessment and Cheating. Have we tried trusting students? That was published in February 2023. Now, as the title states, this blog post suggests that trusting students should be what we're doing, whether AI advancements highlight the problem with assessment itself. So banning the tools, they say, is not an effective solution. They're here to stay. Here, here. I think you're absolutely right. So what can teachers do? Again, in this uh, blog post, as we mentioned in before, they think that we should be changing what, how we assess people, how we assess students, designing assessment tasks that have academic integrity, but also in the knowledge that these tools exist and will be used. So the suggestion here is that teachers should understand that because they exist, students are going to get access to them and they are going to be using them. And so we should be understanding that and designing tasks, as suggested before, that actually either can't be answered by these tools or that do require more academic integrity, as is said. Another blog published in January 2023, The Conversation, they think that the emergence of this tool, again, and we're going to hear quite a lot of this uh, being mentioned, is an opportunity to rethink assessment altogether. And they warn teachers who may be tempted to use ChatGPT for marking papers, as we mentioned before, that it's more likely to give higher grades to students who write in a style that the tool is more familiar with. And so the challenge here uh, is to make assessment more authentic, meaningful and useful. And they say that measuring students' knowledge and skills in a way that is particularly tailored to their own lives and future careers is the way forward. So I can imagine a situation where a student is given an assignment and the assignment, in order to complete the assignment, they put it into a tool such as ChatGPT to produce an answer. They copy and paste it and they send it to the teacher and the teacher receives it and the teacher puts it into ChatGPT to provide a <laughs> some kind of marking out of it. And then without really reading it particularly because the teacher also has so many assignments to mark, they send it back to the 
to the to the student the student receives it with a grade and then doesn't read it so you can have a process of assignments and assessments where not you know everything is done by a machine which is ridiculous so i think we have to be very careful to avoid that type of assess uh, um of situation um i can see it happening if it even if it's not even happening at the moment it's going to be happening in certain situations especially when um teachers i think if they're overloaded with the number of students that they have and uh, they're marking uh, and it's very tempting i would imagine for a teacher to be able to to want to do this so what's the answer i don't know again chris in the keep keep the comments coming chris and again i would love it if you would like to join me live to speak to me but i understand if you can't do that for whatever reason but keep the comments coming in the in the chat so chris fine barcelona says as i retired long before the arrival of ChatGPT, i don't have direct experience however i have devoted a fair amount of time to examining the possible implications of it yes and both chris and i are both in a a telegram group of a course that is fascinating where we're uh, everyone in the course and the course tutor Nick Peachy is actually sharing um, information and reading and new giving us access to new tools and believe it believe me on a daily basis things are changing and so it's interesting to be there with a group of people with uh, with an interest in in it like yourself Chris who are able to actually um, look at these things and talk about them and discuss the implications of them and and also share experience of what is actually happening in classrooms around the world it's it's a fascinating time so another blog the pulse again similar kinds of advice you're going to hear is being shared by edu bloggers all all over really and the pulse says stay clear of generic tasks ChatGPT guesses answers rather than engaging engages in thinking so this is important and over time it will make better guesses but it doesn't think so you need to make the assessment tasks that you set your students authentic and the post notes that ChatGPT draws upon a lot of nonsense when it comes to formulating answers so designing assessment tasks that require some kind of critical thinking from students and also asking students for references is important. And at the moment, this is very problematic. ChatGPT invents references that look like they could be um, real. And I saw in the news last week that a law firm has actually been caught out by using ChatGPT to produce uh, uh, something that had invented um, laws or court cases, etc and they didn't even check it so it's not just students in universities and other areas of education that are doing this people all over are starting to use these uh, use these cases my worry is that the amount of information that is going to be shared will end up on the internet and it will become very difficult soon because we use a lot of the sources that we have on the internet to be able to try and prove if something is right or wrong it'll be very difficult i think soon to use anything on the internet as a reliable source of whether something actually happened or not or is a fact 
think that's going to be a, a massive problem where we're going to be inundated by more fake news and false information that we're going to have to be able to deal with. And, um, well, what can we do? I think we just need to learn how to deal with it. Okay, back to the blogs. FE News says, what does ChatGPT mean for assessment worldwide? This is an article in February 2023. And they propose using a variety of question types, different types of tests, for example, oral presentations or practice-based assessments for students being observed, and more effective proctoring systems. Another blog, Ann Wilson on the UTS blog, again in February, said students can use ChatGPT to generate a response to an assessment task and then set up the criteria to critique the response and provide feedback to improve upon it. So this is an approach that understands that these tools are here to stay and will be used and shifts the focus to helping people make better use of them, promoting critical and digital literacy. I really like this one. I think, um, and I'm starting to understand from the conversations I've had with friends here in Mexico, uh, that people are using these tools in work. People are, some people are being encouraged to use them at work, but they're also encouraged to be using them, but be critical about their use, to use them as assistance, not to basically generate something that uh, replaces um, what they would otherwise be doing, but certainly to use them in a way and then check the information uh, information validity and edit and improve on it. Again, Chris in the chat says, getting good grades is nice, especially if you have put a lot of work into a piece of writing. I wouldn't mind if the grade was from a service like Write and Improve, if only it was available in Catalan, he says. So Chris is, is in the middle of improving his Catalan. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I've got a few more blog posts to share with you because I think they're really interesting and gives a kind of snapshot of how other educators who are working around the world are feeling. The M Portfolios blog, again in February, asks, how can the integrity of assessments be safeguarded when students are able to use nefarious means to complete their assessments? And they come up with the following. It's important to include context into assignments into insurance, and to ensure students take ownership and responsibility for their learning, which we've already heard. The opportunity is now provisioned to improve learning and assessment processes so that assessments are for learning and not of learning. And I think this is, again, another important point. We should be doing assessments that are formative, that are not just summative, that we're not just asking students to regurgitate information that they can get anywhere, especially in this type of day, in this day and age where people have instant access to information. And the idea of actually, this is con contentious, I know, but it is something that uh, I do believe, the idea of actually learning and storing lots of information in your head isn't perhaps as useful as it used to be. Uh, when you have access to it. Certainly being able to, um, the digital literacy skills, I think, and being able to 
uh, be able to be critical about information and where you get it from and also to be able to change how you feel about it and uh, look at different sources I think is really interesting and I imagine Tom is either shaking his head or nodding um, at this Tom Rogers here um, who's also with me live um, as a history teacher I think history in particular it was just something I studied at university is problematic um, with this type of tool and how you deal with it is quite interesting you want to put um if you've got time tom i don't know what what you're doing other than listening but if you want to put some questions or comments into the chat that would be useful as well um and again mary i can see you're there as well if you want to do that please do so and i'll address them so alternatives what alternatives are there for assessment um and again kate lindsay on her blog has the following suggestions and responses to it she sees there are five potential or she did when she published this which was some time ago it was in january maybe she's changed her mind by now but she said that um there were she saw there were five different responses to this you could ban it which we've talked about before and some organizations some school systems etc universities have done that she thinks that's not practical you could return to handwritten exams we talked about this as well and kate agrees it's a step back in time and should be avoided then there are three other potential solutions she says uh, alternatives for suggestions uh, for assessment and she does seem to be more favorable with these develop AI literacies as part of the student assessment so yes because and again we heard this before AI is now part of the world outside of education so why shouldn't we make it part of education as well so why shouldn't we incorporate this into our courses and understand that as it's going to be used outside of the university or uh, school system well maybe we should start teaching students how to use it within the system as well because that will provide a, a link to what students are learning and the world of work and the world outside of the school or university system. She also suggests we can assess humanness and that would better connect the organisation with the world of work as well. I'm not quite sure what she means by that, but the idea of what makes an answer human we we've already talked about making it local or personal about touching upon experience so if the assessment i think maybe she's related to that if the assessment actually draws upon our human experience our own personal experience then it can be more relevant to our lives but also um, less likely the student can answer using a tool using an ai tool I think that's easy to say, but some answers, some subjects and some questions or assessment uh, questions you would like the students to answer would be difficult to actually try and adapt them to that. But certainly for some of them, yeah. And then finally, she says, use ChatGPT to support assessment processes, which we've already talked about. Another blogger, 
um, Sean McMinn in Japan, I believe, um, has suggested that we need to adapt and evolve as teachers rather than detect and ban. And this, he's um, come, you know, come up with the idea that others have, have suggested as well. And his strategies for rethinking assessment design include creating assessments that require interaction. So in other words, they're not just something that students can do at home, but they require some kind of interaction between the, with other students um, or with the teachers. Designing two-stage or more assessments. Um, I don't have his blog at hand to go into what he exactly uh, thinks about this, but the idea of actually making it um, have different parts, which are difficult just to get simple answers from an AI from, I think, including iterative, iterative assessments where students have to explain their thinking. And again, back to what Kate said earlier, leveraging human uniqueness. So what is it about us as humans that make us unique and different from the machines? Well, personal experience is one thing. There'll be other things, I think, as well, which he would suggest that we should include. And requiring reflection. So this idea of us reflecting on the relevance or context of an assessment can be important. Let's have a look at some ideas for alternative assessment. We've already talked about a few, but you could ask for oral presentations. Um, now, this is obviously something that would be very, uh, very relevant with language teaching and learning, but also in other subjects. You can assess the delivery um, and the knowledge of a student actually um, giving an oral presentation. In particular, if they're doing it without notes or with just bullet points and they're not reading from a text, that means at least they've had to consider and try and fully understand. And having follow-up questions based on the presentation would obviously be allow the teacher to determine how much of a subject or particular topic that uh, the student uh, knows. Group projects, uh, and the suggestion here um, is that they're even better if they have local context or relevance. So we're coming back to that local context or local relevance. Um, group projects mean that you're more likely to get students um, doing it uh, together um, without using AI. Personalized self-reflection, again, the personal peer assessment with students assessing each other. Not quite sure how that would avoid the use of AI, but it is worth thinking about. And then other hands-on performance-based assessments. Back to Chris, who in the chat is saying, I've expressed my opinion elsewhere that for high stakes assessment, the use of tribunals to demand that a student defend what they've written by answering questions from the tribunal. This wouldn't be feasible for continuous assessment unless fellow students acted like a tribunal. And even then it would be very time consuming. I think it's a, it's a good idea, Chris, but I think you're right. It's become difficult to, to, to approach assessment, especially on a large scale, with anything that would require more time consumed by the teachers, etc. 
is a very difficult thing to argue, I think. So one of the things I think need to be found is a way of being able to set and assess students, set tasks and assess students. That doesn't require a lot more time um, from the teacher in particular, or uh, because I don't think teachers have that today. But keep them coming, keep the ideas coming. Um, some more here from um, another blog, R. Watkins um, has suggested the following, a prompt competition. So I talked about what a prompt was before, this idea of actually integrating ChatGPT or other IAI tools into education. Why don't you actually try to help the students become better at writing prompts? So have a, an assessment and try to get the students to write the prompt that gets the best output. So actually accept that the students are going to be using um, tools such as ChatGPT to produce their answers, but actually um, get them to do that and then look at the answers and the outputs and the prompts, and then they will learn how better to use these tools. Reflect and improve also using ChatGPT. So in other words, get the answer from ChatGPT, which is often quite bland and repetitive. Um, and anyone who's used this tool uh, a lot will start to see that. I think some of the responses that AI uh, generates are quite, as I said, bland, I think quite vanilla. Um, and you start recognizing the kind of language that these tools are going to be producing. Nothing very dramatic or very emotional or personal, as I said before. So you can have students actually accept they're going to use ChatGPT, but get them to use it and then um, change their responses and revise the ChatGPT output. Another suggestion from our Watkins is dual assignments. And what R. Watkins means by this is the option to use ChatGPT or not. So in other words, a teacher can ask students, tell students they can use it to give them the freedom to use it, or they cannot use it. And to assess the student's output um, with that in mind, um, not particularly with the bias of, of giving anyone you suspect of using ChatGPT a low mark, of course. That wouldn't be very uh, useful. Again, another one, ask students to create mind maps, mind maps that um, ChatGPT struggles with. Hold a debate. Students create videos or podcasts, which you know they may well use ChatGPT to prepare for those, but they're actually um, having to do something with the material. I think the worst thing is just for students to generate uh, answers to assessments and submit them without even reading what has been said. So if they're doing something with, at least they're doing something with the answer that has been generated, editing it, changing it, remembering it, turning it into a presentation, whether it's an audio presentation, a live presentation, or a video presentation, then at least that's better than just them submitting a piece of text. And again, Chris, in the comments, Keep it coming, Chris. 
I agree that all speaking and writing presented for assessment should be accompanied by reflection on their work by the student before they get a grade and maybe more reflection after that. Yeah, I think I agree that as well. And again, here it says, ask students to explain their thinking. Right, in the AI classroom handbook that I keep coming back to and I'm dipping into because I do think it's a very interesting uh, um, book. They say it's essential that educators not only challenge students to demonstrate their own knowledge and skills, but also teach them how to effectively and responsibly collaborate with AI tools. So we're now moving into that area of accepting and understanding that these tools exist and they're going to be used by people within education and outside of education. So it's not worth ignoring. Incorporating AI-assisted collaboration in assessments can foster a balance between individual creativity and innovative problem-solving using cutting-edge technology. So as you'd imagine, this book that is very much in favour of AI, um, but is looking at, they do look at the, um, the ethical questions, the problems, etc., and come up with a solution, but it's very tech and AI favourably biased, I think. Um, they, uh, they say it would be good to incorporate these tools into uh, assessment and into the actual world of education. Here's Chris again. When I wrote Compositions for Continuous Assessment in my Catalan course, I produced a document with all the versions of my writing showing the feedback I got from Word, www.languagetool.org, and eventually my teacher. In addition, I took notes on each piece of feedback in a table showing what was wrong, the correct version, and optionally an explanation. My intention was to study these notes, but I met, I soon stopped doing that. I told my teacher what I was doing, and uh, um, <clears throat> when he said that, uh, he was enjoying writing in Catalan and she was very touched. Yeah, that's very, very good, I think, uh, Chris. But I think you, as a teacher with a lot of experience, are probably a model student. I would imagine not many of the students in that class would be prepared to do what you did. Or am I wrong? I don't know. But that is that is good. If you do have um, very engaged students, then that is a, a good thing to do. In the AI classroom, they offer 10 ways to design dynamic assessments, assignments. Just going to go over them very briefly. Number one, collaborative projects. I'm not going to talk about the things that we've already talked about because I think the same people, have, uh, different people have come up with the same kinds of ideas, such as that one. Um, the collaborative projects that ensures individual con contributions, real world problem solving, again, requiring an application of knowledge, scaffolding assignments to encourage independent learning, Peer review and feedback, which we've heard from as well. Reflective assignments, again, nothing new there that we've, we've heard that. Multimedia presentations, we've talked about video and audio, um, and original content creation that you can assess. Gamification, which is an interesting one. So the they suggest to engage students in active learning, you can uh, introduce simple game elements points and badges, for example, to motivate students to demonstrate basic understanding and more complex game elements such as rewards and leaderboards to 
engage students and assess deeper understanding. And their suggestion is the students participate in a fully gamified learning experience with quests, narratives and interactive elements. And in that way, they demonstrate mastery of content and problem solving skills. So it touches, there's some overlap with some of the things we've already talked about. Authentic assessments is another one and self-assessment. And these are two things I think we've touched upon. Now they go on to say that by incorporating these methods into our assessments, we hold students accountable. And again, we've heard that time and time again for their own learning, preparing them for a future infused with artificial intelligence tools. So it's quite interesting, I think, to look at all of these different sources and suggestions um, from people, because we do see the same kinds of things being suggested by different people over time. I think there's a kind of consensus emerging out of all of this, um, a move away from the banning uh, towards an acceptance of these types of tools and understanding that these tools are going to be with us, so we may as well we, we have to learn how to incorporate them or to learn how to live with them or to try and uh, defeat them uh, when it comes to things like assessment. And I think moving on to a con conclusion of sorts now, um, there is this idea of adapting and evolving rather than detecting and banning, which has come out of this. Um, in all of this, I think it's essential that educators, at the very least, you need to be aware of this technology. You need to be aware of how to use it, how students are going to be using it. And if you can use it to augment your teaching and the students' learning, so much the better. And AI does have potential to help our education system become more nimble. And to help students react to a readily changing environment, I think is something that teachers need to prepare to do, be prepared to do. It's one of our jobs, I think, whether we think it should be or not, it is more and more becoming that. So I think understanding AI, tools like chat, GPT, BARD, uh, Bing, etc., better, and using it, being aware of it is important. Then when it comes to techno the technology being used by teachers for assessment or to help them assess, assess whether it's to, to actually to do the assessment or to prepare for the assessment, this leveraging by teachers of these tools to help reduce workload and to support uh, all of you to deliver your best lessons. Well, there's that as well. So this AI can be used by teachers, it can be used by learners, if it's used by learners to improve their performance, not to avoid doing the work and to progress to better outcomes, then it's surely a good thing. But I think it's up to the teacher to be able to um, guide and help learners in order to be able to do this. And in order to do that, the first thing any teacher needs to do is to understand the technologies. So it's not something you can avoid. And I hope you agree with me, I probably guess that if you've reached this far in the uh, in this show, then you must have that in mind and are trying to get to grips with it like a lot of other teachers are, which I, I think is admirable. 
Now, there's an academic, Rose Luckin, that is well-versed in AI, um, a very interesting person to look up and follow. Um, I'm not going to suggest anything in particular. I think if you look her up, um, you'll find something uh, interesting by her. And she has this phrase that she thinks that we need to make sure all of our students are AI ready. And she says, AI readiness is about helping people to understand enough about AI to make good decisions about procuring and using AI to make their particular needs. So it's very simple, really. But the idea of being AI ready, I think, is something that all teachers need uh, to have in mind. How else is, are these tools, how else is AI going to affect the world of work and education? Now, I'd love to hear examples. Um, if anyone listening live um, has any examples, personal examples of how you, of you, of how you know things have, are, are changing in the world of work, in the world of education, where this is concerned, then please share them with me. Um, I've got three recent examples from Mexico. Number one, the husband of a colleague uh, of mine who works for an educational publisher in Mexico, they recently dismissed three illustrators and have instead employed a prompt engineer to produce all the graphics they need. So that's a publishing company, educational publishing company, that have embraced AI and it's caused the loss of jobs um, from some of their, I'm not sure if they were freelance staff and they just stopped using them or whether they were actually people who worked on the payroll for them, but they've decided that to become more competitive and to cut costs, that all they needed to do was to actually employ someone who can produce the same amount of work in much less time as these three graphic designers, illustrators, and that's what they've done. So that is a real life, real world thing that has happened recently that I'm aware of. Another one, which is less worrisome for anyone out there who's an illustrator or anyone who is worried about losing their job or uh, because of AI. I've got a friend who works for a PR agency in Mexico, and she's given now monthly training on how to incorporate AI tools into her work, her and her colleagues. So the boss of this PR agency has understood that this is revolutionary, that this is going to transform um, the way that the agency works. Rather than making people redundant, they are embracing the tools, uh, not just ChatGPT, but all of the AI image and art generation tools as well such as Midjourney and Dali, etc. And she now regularly uses ChatGPT to produce first drafts of copy. And that has to be stressed. It's not to produce copy, which she just then sends directly. She then edits the copy, checks things, etc. And one of the examples she gave me recently um, is that a famous um, entertainer uh, died a couple about a month and a half ago in Mexico um, and that happened very unexpectedly on a weekend and I think on Sunday morning she was contacted by her boss to write um, 
something that they, they could publish as soon as possible. And she said normally that would have taken her about three, four hours to go and research it, to write it, to put it together, to make sure it was ready for publication. What she was able to do was actually collect the information using ChatGPT very, very quickly within 20 minutes. And within an hour, she had a, a copy ready um, text that was uh, she was happy enough to send to a boss that went to publication. So she saved about, it was took about 30% of the time it would have normally taken to create this article. So another real world example there. One more, a friend who writes code now spends 60% of his time using ChatGPT to write the code for him. Then he checks it. So he used to actually troll um, banks of typical code libraries, etc. Rather than spending time writing the code himself, which would have been too time consuming, he actually used to go and collect large chunks of code, as I understand it, from different libraries where people would share them and then stitch them all together. What he does now is he just uses ChatGPT to be able to do that for him and then checks it as he would have done earlier. And again, as a time saver, it's a massive time saver. Now, he is worried about what the implications of this mean for his work in the future. Um, not at the moment, because he still thinks that his skills are, are very necessary because you can't just get the code unless you know what you're looking for and unless you're able to actually read it and check it. So he's not that worried at the moment, but he is worried about what the future can hold. So I'm going to bring things to an end now. Um, Unless anyone listening live does want to drop in for a final five to ten minute chat, we've got another ten minutes left, but I've run out of things to say. Um, and so I am going to bring the show to an end. I'd like to thank all of you who have listened uh, listened live or and also to all of you who are listening back to the podcast and this brings us to the end of today's twilight show many thanks to all of you and um that's it from me and there are i would like to remind you teachers talk radio shows all week on all manner of interesting topics so please listen in live or to the recordings and i hope you will join me um again next week at the same time I'm going to play that poem just once more because I think you need to hear it if you missed it at the beginning of the show. And then I'll sign off. Here's the poem. In the vast realms of cyberspace, where knowledge takes its flight, there blooms a radio show, a beacon shining bright, a haven for educators, a platform to share. Teachers talk radio resonates with care. Tom Rogers, the guiding light, a teacher through and through. With passion in his heart, he kindles flames anew. His wisdom flows like rivers, nurturing minds so keen. Empowering educators with every word, unseen. Graham Stanley the Saturday Twilight Show's host, with topics untamed. A variety of discussions, his guests forever acclaimed. He weaves a web of information, engaging hearts and souls.
inviting inspiration in, to help each teacher's goals. Together, they embark on journeys, traversing boundless plains. Exploring lands of pedagogy, where innovation reigns. They champion every teacher, from humble start to grand. For they believe in the power held within each guiding hand. Teachers Talk Radio echoes with camaraderie. Uniting hearts across the waves, from sea to shining sea. A chorus of voices, diverse and strong. Teaching hearts united, as one melodious song. They delve into the challenges, the triumphs and the tears. Sharing stories of resilience, erasing doubts and fears. With empathy as their compass, they navigate the storm. Uplifting weary souls, bringing hope and transforming norms. The airwaves come alive with laughter, insight, and debate. As teachers tune their hearts, finding solace in this space. A community of learners, a family strong and true. Teachers talk radio, the virtual home they always knew. So let us raise our voices, in tribute to this show. Where teachers find their refuge, where growth and dreams can grow. In this digital soundscape, where passion takes its stand. Teachers Talk Radio ignites the spark held within each teacher's hand. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. ChatGPT can assist teachers with assessment in several ways. Here are a few ways ChatGPT can be helpful. Generating test questions, teachers can provide ChatGPT with the topic or subject they want to assess, and it can generate a variety of test questions. These questions can be multiple choice, fill in the blanks, short answer, or even essay prompts. ChatGPT can help save time and provide teachers with a range of questions to choose from. Reviewing and providing feedback on assignments, teachers can share student assignments or essays with ChatGPT, and it can provide a preliminary review and feedback. While it's important for teachers to provide their expertise in grading, ChatGPT can help with initial feedback by highlighting potential areas of improvement, identifying grammar or spelling errors, and suggesting revisions. Creating rubrics, ChatGPT can assist teachers in developing assessment rubrics. Rubrics are useful tools for providing clear expectations and criteria for evaluating student work. By providing the necessary information about the assignment or task, ChatGPT can generate rubrics that align with the learning objectives and help teachers assess student performance consistently. Analyzing assessment data, teachers can input assessment data into ChatGPT and it can help analyze and interpret the results. ChatGPT can generate insights and summaries based on the data, identify patterns or trends, and provide recommendations for adjusting instruction or addressing specific learning needs.
Offering subject-specific support, ChatGPT has access to a wide range of subject-specific knowledge. Teachers can seek guidance from ChatGPT to clarify concepts, explain complex topics, or provide additional resources for students who require extra support. ChatGPT can help teachers enhance their own understanding of subject matter and provide accurate information to students. Individualized learning, by analyzing student performance data, ChatGPT can assist teachers in identifying individual learning needs and suggesting personalized learning strategies. This can include recommending specific resources, suggesting tailored activities or interventions, or even providing differentiated assignments based on students' abilities. It's important to note that while ChatGPT can be a valuable tool for teachers, human expertise and judgment should always be applied when using AI-generated content for assessment. Teachers should review and modify the generated content as needed, and ultimately make the final assessment decisions based on their professional judgment and knowledge of their students. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.